3: Hey guys, it's Kayla. Candice isn't able to join us today, but we are all still so directionally challenged. We thought we would have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s, but surprise, we don't. And that's okay. It really is okay. And my guest today really doesn't need an introduction. Most of you know her and love her as much as I do. But for those who are like, hmm, can I have a refresher? Sarah Canning is an actor, an artist, a creator, a director, a producer. Most importantly, she is a friend and she is someone who I have wanted to have on the podcast for A long time. She has so much wisdom. You guys know her from many projects, a series of unfortunate events, and war, the planet of the apes. But of course, most of you know her as Aunt Jenna from The Vampire Diaries. She is just a gem of a human. And my conversation with her is one I will never forget. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the lovely Sarah Cannon. So, I'm Sarah. I'm so happy you're here. I feel like this is such a long time coming. I mean, truly, I'm not just saying this because we're on the mic and whatever. I, you are one of my favorite people. (laughs) And there, I'm serious. And there are times in life when Tanner, my husband, will say to me, like, you should just talk to Sarah because there's something. About you. There truly is. You are an artist in every true sense of the word. I mean, ever since we've known each other, you've always had a notebook (laughs) in your purse or in your satchel. You're always creating, you're always studying, you're always writing. Do you have a morning ritual that I I know a lot of artists do morning pages and there's a book called The Artist's Way that a lot of people follow, but I feel like you, more than any person I know, figures out a way to make art out of anything. And so I would love to know when you first wake up in the morning, do you have something or a ritual that you do that takes you to that place?
4: I do. I'm just gonna, I'm like a little teary-eyed at, at everything you've just said, because I feel the same for you. I love you so much. and I'm so happy to be having this conversation with you. I do. And I've actually been refining my morning routine and rituals lately. And it makes a a huge difference in how my day goes. I was actually just catching up on your episode with Dr. Gloria Mark. Oh my gosh, I love that. And and it's such a great episode. You're such a terrific interviewer. And and I've been thinking a lot about flow state, which she talks about in in the interview. And I'm being... (laughs) extremely strict with myself lately about engagement with social media, but also the internet in general. And I'm getting up in the morning and I make herbal infusions overnight. So that's the first thing I do is I get up and I sit on the floor in my apartment on a cushion that my one of my very close friends gave me like years ago so it's always a little like grin at you know when people give you special sentimental things and i sit there and i meditate first thing in the morning and i've been sort of getting back to that as of late and the meditation can literally be stretching my neck and just sort of looking out the window and letting my brain just be in my immediate surroundings And then I write down my dreams (laughs) because I'm like my dreams from the night before, because I'm like a really wild, vivid dreamer a lot of the time. So I try to catch those before they float away. And
3: Right. So you, okay, wait, first off I have, so what is an herbal, what is an herbal infusion? Is it mixing your own tea? Yeah. Yeah. Basically I just
4: do infusions overnight of like really simple things like nettle tea or red raspberry leaf tea. Last night it was a combination of oat straw with Cassandra berry. And I, I mean, I've, I've studied a lot of I, I feel pretty in tune with sort of where my body is at at any general time of the month or even of the year. You know, we're in February now. And I tried, I tried to honor the fact that being a human being on the planet in February is very different from being in this hemisphere anyway, different from being a human in July, you know? So I tried to sort of supplement, you know, naturally for my body, kind of where we're at in, in the seasons as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole deep rabbit hole, but it's a fun one. It's been a good one.
3: No, that's incredible. And so the night before, do you sort of like ask your body what it will need tomorrow morning?
4: Is that is that fair enough yeah, to say? Yeah, okay. I do. And and it's nice. It's It's like a nice quiet thing to do at night. And then it's a really nice quiet thing for first thing in the morning. And I do notice you know, like a cumulative effect, uh, like a nervous system sort of. Yeah.
3: Oh my gosh. That's so amazing. And, you know, we have had a lot of episodes about meditation and so many people view it differently. We've heard things like sitting there and eating a piece of chocolate cake is meditation. We've heard people truly try to, you know, quiet their thoughts and, you know, say a hymn or something. So I feel like that's a meditation is such a, a a word that brings up a lot of different things for different people. So when you say meditation, what is it for you? Is it different every morning or is it kind of the same It thing? is different.
4: Yeah, I think it is different every morning. I mean, I would say like opening a book of poetry is also meditation. I have a great, I adore Patty Smith and my very good friend gave me her new book of days, which is just a beautiful photograph and a caption from her amazing book poetic, ruminative, like lovely, curious brain that she has. And I kind of use that sometimes as a, a settling sort of grounding, just like a touchstone. I'm really trying lately to have specific books around me so that I don't default to reaching for my phone because I think we're in a, a, a real state of affairs with how easy it is to default to grabbing a phone.
3: yeah Yeah. I would say most people listening myself included one of the first things that we do in the morning is grab our phones and it is a it is a problem so let's continue then because this is so inspiring I every conversation you guys need to understand every conversation I have with Sarah this is not an exaggeration over the decade plus that we've known each other I truly feel like I want to be the best version of myself. I know our listeners are going to feel the same way. It's you, you inspire people to be the best version of themselves. And so, okay, so you write your dreams down because you always, you you have been a vivid dreamer for as long as I've known you. You always remember your dreams. Not always, not always, but most of the time, right? Fair enough. Yeah, definitely.
4: Most of the time. And in fact, I start to feel a little nervous if I can't remember them. I'm a little like, what's happening? Where, where am I? You know? So is, is it every night? Is it typically every night? A lot of nights sometimes. Like for example, last year I did a play in Victoria, BC, which was a a fantastic experience. And I lived in a little carriage house very close to the theater for two months, which was wonderful. But (laughs) my dreams in that place were... Like off the charts, wild, crazy, every night, every single night. So I go, I don't know, maybe it's the the heightened sort of being in that, that place of rehearsing, being sort of vulnerable, being really open, being... The funny thing is that I had like a weird, I call it like a nice little useless like prophecy. <laughs> the first night that I stayed there, I had a dream that involved an actor that I've worked with. Hadn't seen or spoken to him in years like a a few years and he was in the dream and we were (laughs) we were rehearsing this strange you know Shakespeare play and of course a typical actor dream didn't know my lines thought like wow I really should have prepared for this and uh and then I found out he was doing the play after me at the theater and then he reached out to me and said hey how do you like that place you're staying in I'm gonna be living there right after you (laughs)
3: Oh, my gosh. So this is no, but this is like, I mean, this is so, uh, like un, uh, connected to people and things on another level. Right. I mean, that, that's that's pretty crazy. And I I love stories like that in life because it just solidifies the fact that there is so much that happens that we can't see. Right. There is so much that each being is connected to. There's just so much behind. And I do think that like life has a plan. Right. And so sometimes when you are on that ride that it just I don't know, it's like showing you the way and like how lovely
4: is that? That's Yeah. I just like serendipity, you know, whatever in whatever form. It just kind of feels like a nice little wink from someone somewhere. Yeah.
3: Yeah, absolutely. We also love the movie Serendipity. Too.
4: Just throwing that <laughs>
3: oh, out
4: there. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. It's been a while. Yeah. Hell yeah.
3: <laughs> okay. So you write down your dreams and then then do you is it time to eat? Or what Oh, do yeah. You...
4: I mean, as you know, okay. because you and your wonderful partner, your wonderful husband have made me many <laughs> breakfasts over the years. I have to eat. Like not immediately, but I would say within 45 minutes of waking up, I eat and then I generally do some form of exercise and then I have a smoothie and then I will probably eat again and then it'll be lunchtime. So people are always like, oh, you're a hobbit. You're just a hobbit.
3: I she, you guys and Sarah gets to this point where you know you work with someone on a show for a long time and you have a really close relationship with someone you get to know them inside and out and Sarah gets to, she has to eat she's one of those people where if there you will hit a point where you will get hangry and you will actually like your mind doesn't work your body doesn't work you need food is your fuel and in that regard do you I mean, when we first met, we kind of ate everything. Are you a little more careful
4: about what you put in your body I kind of need to be because like along those lines of it's, it's interesting because it definitely is that like I need to eat now, but I think of it even more than hangry. It's like something just happens to me where (laughs) I like leave the building. Like I'm like floating like off around Mars somewhere. It's like,
3: It's true. You don't work. Like if you're, you just turn off and then you need food to turn back on again. Yes, exactly. Exactly.
4: I was once (laughs) shooting a scene in a, I played a surgeon in a a show that I did after we were on the Vampire Diaries together. And I would have these really intense scenes, high stakes, high paced, of course, everyone's favorite, you know, medical dialogue that we've all had to learn at some point or other. And I remember one day I was in the middle (laughs) of, in the middle of surgery. And I just, <laughs> I suddenly was like, I need five almonds. <laughs> I was in the middle of the scene and I just kind of went, I i just need to eat like five almonds. And I, so we paused, I ate them. And with the, I, like, I think it was literally five almonds. And then I was straight back into surgery and I was fine. The director came up to me afterwards and he said, so, um, that was really bizarre. Like, <laughs> like what? And he said, then, and you truly were totally fine. And I said, I know I don't, it's, there is an immediacy to when I need food. And I don't know if it's a placebo thing. I have no idea, but it it's very quick. It like the shift for me is very quick. But so for that reason, I can't, I can't like eat a donut." If I'm feeling that way, because then the sugar hit is then I'm like not just floating around Mars, I'm like maniacally tap dancing on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> so,
3: which I'm not mad at either. <laughs> I do like that version of you, which I've seen many times. <laughs> hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute.
0: For Memorial Day, get 15% off your borough purchase at burrowcom ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrowcom ACAST.
3: It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good we're back but it is so funny because when sarah sarah stayed with tanner and i i mean you've you're right we've made you many breakfasts and it's been lovely (laughs) and a lot of people don't know this but sarah and sarah's family sarah's parents and tanner's parents live remotely close to each other they're both from the same part of the world and so when there are times when Sarah's at her parents and I'm at Tanner's parents. And I do think you and Tanner are very similar. I don't know if that is something that happens in the world where you grow up similarly and then you become the same similar. But you were over at our house and we were making you just sourdough bread with jam jam and butter. And she looked at which is something we have every morning. No, like absolutely every morning. And she looked at us and said, gosh, I don't know the last time I ate this or had this. And I can't remember the last time anyone in Los Angeles has served this to me. But that was just such a normal thing to us. It didn't even occur to me that, you know, You wouldn't. No, no, you're (laughs) totally
4: right. And I just remember feeling so feeling so at home because, yes, I spent my teenage years near where Tanner's family is from. But even and before that, I grew up in Newfoundland, which is all toast and jam all the time, like toast, jam and tea. And so I just felt so at home and and so taken care of. I think you're very good at that in so many ways. (laughs)
3: You know, I, I thank you. I will take that. But I think we only truly take care of the people we really love, you know, because it's I'm learning as I grow up, the older we get, you only have so much time for to to cultivate relationships and friendships. And you have to be very specific about who you want to spend your time with and how you, you know, nurture those relationships. And so even though you, we've actually never really lived in the same place before, it was just Atlanta for a few months, that's it. But the friendship has lasted so long. And anytime you're in LA or I'm anywhere close to you or we're randomly somewhere for a convention (laughs) or whatever, it just feels like home. I
4: know, me too. Yeah, I
3: agree. I do want to ask you about growing up in Newfoundland because I remember so many lovely stories of, of playing in the forest, of you just... I, I remember asking you, well, what did you do back then? Because, you know, you were an only child. It was very remote. And can you talk to us about exploring the woods, having a childhood like that? Because not many people have that anymore. It is really unusual. And do you feel like having a childhood like that has what it has helped your imagination and is uh, be what it is today?
4: Yes, hard yes to to that yes my best friend growing up lindsay who remains one of the closest people in my life we often will say that to each other can you believe our good fortune we really we grew up in a, an extremely small community about no more than 500 people and we really did spend our childhoods in the woods and on the beach And I, I can, you know, having lived in many major cities now, I can really appreciate how special that was. And I also really admire kids who grow up in cities who can use their imaginations, you know, on, on a, a a patch of concrete. Like I really, you know, kids are so versatile that way, I think. And thank God that, that they are able to sort of, turn any situation into what they need, what they need and what they want. I think a lot of kids are capable of that, but yeah, it was, it was an incredible, an incredible way to grow up. And it was very formative. And the funny thing is I'm, you were just saying, as we age, like really recognizing where our energy goes in terms of relationships matters. And as I grow up, I I'm realizing more and more that my identity as tied to that little kid running around in the woods, how much that matters to who I am as an actor, but also who I am as a friend and a person. I didn't really register that until I would say probably in the last five years of going like, oh, my identity as a Newfoundlander actually really influences how I interact both with work and with people and I feel more and more grateful for it and in fact I also feel more and more pulled to spend as much time there as I can and be amongst you know not just the people that I grew up around but people who have that shared experience like I I, it feels nice to dip into that and then be able to come back um to Vancouver or wherever I am and to sort of remember you know what what that how how that has shaped me like how how being steeped in that has has really shaped me and and I'm also not naive you know like any place uh there there are problems you know there are good there are goods and bads I think to all of us growing up anywhere (laughs) like really
3: right of course yes just like Mm -hmm. in anything but do you feel like there were times in your life when you tried to hide your identity as a Newfoundlander I
4: (laughs) I remember boy I remember having a crush on a guy who sort of made fun of me about it and I didn't really understand I didn't really understand why and but it sort of I was at an age where it kind of made me I think like I internalized it in a in a strange way and it was just confusing to me and I what I love about Newfoundlanders is their sense of humor about themselves you know I'm so careful about Instagram but I think the about my use of Instagram but I think my favorite accounts are like Newfoundland meme accounts that just, you know, if you're from Newfoundland, it's just like, oh, yeah, that is that is outrageous about us. Like, that's outrageous about Newfoundlanders. And the interesting thing, too, is when I was in film school when I was 19, and and also being Canadian, you know, we were instructed to really hide our Canadian dialects. I'm sure Tanner has had to, you know, deal with that as well. And so not only is there... Rarely room for a Canadian accent, although I have used my Newfoundland accent in three projects, if you could believe it, three, which is pretty good.
3: That's only because you work nonstop. (laughs) That's all. Like the the at some point, the statistically, that's going to happen.
4: Yeah, and and those jobs were probably you know the brightest, the especially one a feature film that hasn't come out yet that was the brightest most magical thing that's happened to me in my career for sure but you know people say oh you don't have an accent and I say oh I do I really do it's just it's sort of either reserved for just my parents or my friends or you know anytime the second that I land in Newfoundland it's like and there it is <laughs>
3: absolutely there's so many times when tanner will go home and visit and i'll call him and i'm like who am i talking to i can barely understand you but i love it so much because it's so much of who you guys are just to be clear tanner is not from newfoundland but (laughs) your parents live now is close to where and it's similar tanner from a town of 500 people so it's just a very similar upbringing now i know that so many of our listeners are going to want to hear us talk about the Vampire Diaries, obviously, but before we get into all of that, I have to ask you as an artist, have you had a favorite role that you've loved doing or the process to create a certain character? I I know, you know, that you've done so many things and I really... Want to hear about? I want our listeners to hear the story about what it took for you to play Lake in Planet of the Apes, because I think that that is so fascinating. And we get a lot of questions about being an actor and about the industry and just entertainment in general. And I think, you know, people can, there are different forms of entertainment. There's the celebrity, but there's also the artist. And so I would love for everyone to hear the inner workings of what it took for that role. I don't know if that was your favorite role or not, but this is my favorite story that you have about mm-hmm. a
4: role. Yeah, I I can definitely talk about playing Lake. That was really amazing. The, the, <laughs> I was sort of like, oh, how did this happen? Great. It was an extensive audition process. I Basically, the, the first audition, we were sort of just moving around, we were told to watch videos uh, that were the, the man who would eventually train me to be an ape <laughs> named Terry Notary, who is an excellent actor. We, we were sort of just doing our own translations of, we learned American Sign Language and they wanted us to kind of do instinctual, broken-down versions of that. And then my second audition was actually a scene, I remember I was playing a lawyer in the scene. Yeah, yeah. It was just like a, a, a person speaking. There was nothing ape-like about it, but the director, Matt Reeves, was there and and it was this great process of him basically stripping away over... I think he directed me four times. Like, I think I did the scene five times. And it was so great and perplexing, you know, those great auditions where you kind of go, is this going well? What 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 is What is this director up to? And I think it was him, you know, making sure I could inhabit the type of naturalism that he was looking for. And then the third audition was in a giant warehouse with a person actually carrying a a camcorder around and following myself and the trainer as he taught me to like walk on arm (laughs) extensions. And it was all improv. I was like walking around as an ape and he would say, and then you come across, you know, one of, one of your own, one of your family and, and, and you found, you find they've been killed. And, and it was like that kind of, like it was a 20 minute improv.
3: And, and you're not speaking this entire time, no. right? When you say improv, it's a, it's just full body, full body. Right? It's an actual mm-hmm. full body reaction. Yeah, full body
4: and sound and ape, ape sounds. Yeah, yeah, and and then when I got the role I was like over the moon and and we went into I I believe it was 3 weeks a 3 week boot camp like a like training. And one of my favorite things to remember about that is a, a couple of things. You know, we it was like going back to theater school. We all sat in chairs and spent 30 minutes turning our heads until Terry felt satisfied that it was instinctual rather than cerebral. So it was just a, a completely unique, incredible experience in terms of, you know, I'd never thought I would get to do something like that, to, and and I loved it. I loved it. And when we first met Andy Circus, he spent, again, speaking of improvising, like two hours with us, just at, and and we were none of us broke character for two hours. And it was like our first meeting with him and sort of forming the, the family that we would be in the film.
3: And so you are not speaking to each other whatsoever, just doing bodily and, and, and among, like animalistic sounds. And that's how you were communicating. Wow. Yeah. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute.
0: only from rustolium
3: And we're back. For those who are listening that need a, uh, somewhat of a visual, they had, I guess, uh, what are you, what would you say the extensions were on your arms, like stilts or arm stilts? Or Basically, they're,
4: they're built like they have kind of like, you know, like a shock absorbent sort of little like rubber ball at the end so that you can run on them and you have handles. And but they're fit for your arms so that you can actually be on all fours, you're on all fours, but the, you know, the arm extensions lend that, that physicality and the look that they capture with the motion capture and the crazy little, like (laughs) snazzy little pajama suits we wore for six months. And, and then it's all, you know, that's how they create the the proper spine and physique for the apes.
3: Like pogo sticks. Yeah, kind of, of, but, but, but sturdy, like they're just, it's basically so you don't
4: like it. (laughs) just look at your shoulder or something, I think.
3: Uh, and I heard you just say six months. I don't think I realized mm-hmm. that it took
4: six months yeah. to do yeah, that. Yeah, six months. Yep. Yep. It was It was quite, it was the longest film shoot that I've been a part of. And, and it was wild to get a sense of, you know, I'm used to working on Canadian indie films where you just like blast through it and everybody, you know, everybody has to really show up and it's really like a run and gun kind of thing. You know, you don't often have more than like 22 days would be a luxury to have that kind of time to shoot an independent film. It's often less than that. So to have that amount of time, was like, it, I, I think that's sort of my first brush with meditation really was... It's such uh, an intricate process that I remember being. <laughs> and Kayla will appreciate this, having spent time in Vancouver. Vancouver in December is, you know, a night shoot in December in Vancouver is <laughs> like, it's 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 rainy. It's often raining at you from every direction. It's windy. It's chilly and. You know, we would, we were imprisoned at one point in the film on this spectacular set and we're in this massive cage. And I remember in between shots sort of like walking in a little kind of like I would walk in a square. Like I, and it was just me sort of staying in my body in between takes and staying in that, you know, that really grounded, really, as I was saying, that instinctual place rather than sort of coming up into the like, oh, it's 3am and it's raining and it's cold and it's, I'm probably hungry because I'm always hungry and blah, the busyness of our minds. And I would, I think that really was my first understanding of learning how to really stay in my body. Yeah.
3: And so, you know, if, when it's lunchtime, <laughs> what do you do? I mean, truly, I, I mean this to mm-hmm. you, do you? I mean, obviously, you're not on your phone at all. Talk about leaving your phone behind. Yeah. I'm sure you left it in your dressing. Oh yeah, room. definitely. Yeah, but how do you do? You come out and eat as a human, or do you, for lack of a better question, you do, and then you're able to get back yeah. in to the. Yeah, space. I think
4: we all kind of that that boot camp kind of thing that I was talking about really, I think, solidified a lot of things for us and. And yeah, it was, we really were like a, a great, you know, a great group, a great silly group of people. And, and, and we just got so used to seeing each other in those, you know, those outfits and running around on our, on our arm extension stilts and stuff that I think I like to work that way. Anyway, I really, I really like to bring as much, Levity as I can. I love connecting with the cast and crew. I, you know, there are certainly days where I've, you know, we've all played characters where there's some difficult emotional arcs that we need to to be in, and then I'm like, okay, I might be. If if you see me sitting in a corner quietly or like listening to some music, you'll just know what I'm doing. But I, I really, it works well for me to be able to go like in and out when there's you know when the appropriate time comes and you're not like in the middle of a rainstorm <laughs> or whatever right
3: no absolutely yeah. i mean that do you feel like you can
4: say that you've had a favorite yeah. job or a favorite you have 100% oh, oh. the film hasn't come out yet it's called Sweetland and it is based it's an adaptation of my favorite novel ever of the same name by Michael Crummy, who is a Newfoundland author. And before I ever found out who was making the film, I, I had read the book probably four or five times. And you know, I had given the book to my mom. I'd given the book to several people, and then you know, I'd even considered. I wonder if I could get the rights to this book. Like it, it, it felt so important to me as a story and and it just sort of settled so deeply in my bones that I I really I really seriously considered that until I found out the rights weren't available and then I met the people who had the rights at a film festival I was I was developing a feature I was writing and I had reached out to a producer you know just just a a Newfoundland producer and it turned out that through her, her directing, you know, the director she often works with approached me at the film festival and said, "I've read some of your work," and that was really exciting to be approached as like a writer and not as great as it is for someone to be like, "Excuse me, are you are you Vicky or <laughs> are, are you Aunt Jenna?" It's a different it's a different experience.
3: It is. It
4: is. And, and, you know, he said, I feel like you really understand, you know, that, that the sentiment of, of the sensibility of growing up in outport Newfoundland. And I said, well, it's because I grew up in the woods (laughs) and basically got to know them over a couple of years, did a short film with them in the middle of COVID. So, you know, Quarantined in Newfoundland to be able to do it for the two weeks, and when we were all, you know, kind of needing to do that in order to work in different places and more isolated places. I auditioned for that film, I believe, three times as well and got the part. Still can't believe it. Like, still wonder if I imagined the whole thing. <laughs>
3: mm. So I remember you talking about this book and I remember you finding out that the movie was being made. And I remember your team telling you to not get too excited, not too invested in it because they were worried that you your heart would break and never be mended again if you didn't get this part. I'm so happy you got the role because it seems like this is So not only just meant to be, but your feels like a part of your soul will be in this movie. And I cannot wait to watch you in it. Thank you. Well, as always, I leave my conversations with Sarah feeling so inspired and in tears, but also incredibly happy. And our conversation was just so wonderful that we have made it a two-parter. So this is part one and part two will come out next week. Obviously, we have another great one coming for you. So until then, please take care. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Produced by Melissa D. Mons. Edited by Diane King. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with Acast.